The Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Guardians played four games this year. The Guardians won two, and the Reds won two. So nobody won the Ohio Cup, or they split it, or somebody gets MVP. Anyway, Tyler Aikman's MVP. This, this is weird, Jeff. But by the way, this is a crossover edition. Locked on Reds and Locked on Guardians. Jeff Ellis is here with me. We are talking about the Ohio Cup, one of the most prestigious trophies in Major League Baseball. I, I kid. I don't know. What's the what's the prestige level here, Jeff? Because we're talking about a, a split. Yeah, Reds and Guardians went two and two. Like, yeah. What are we talking? For me, it's like on the same level of prestige for uh, every preseason when the Browns and Lions would play each other and have a trophy. <laughs> it's uh, to me, like for me, it's more the fun that like right now the the Guardians represent eighteen percent of the Reds' wins uh, through this point <laughs> in the season. Like I, I sat there and I did the math. I well, I didn't do the math. I plugged it in the computer and let it do it for me. But yeah, it's a uh, <sighs> You know, as the Guardians host, I'm like, come on, this is a beat up Reds team that just got, you know, didn't get no hit, threw a no hitter and lost. And, you know, very rare, rare accomplishment. Uh, I was rather would have got no hit, yeah. if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> and instead, the Guardians get swept. You know, I talk about it on my lockdown now. I talked about it on the show. I spent last week saying the strength of this Guardians team is the bullpen and uh, looking very uh, not on point just two days later three days later because of the off yeah. day as well. Yeah, we're definitely going to dive into that because there were some surprises in this two-game set, and we're also going to look at where the Reds and Guardians sit as this season, as this series ends, and the season still has a long ways to go. It feels like the last couple of years, both teams have finished up their season series very early in the season. So I don't know if major league baseball just has a sense of humor about the weather in Ohio or what the deal is here. But yes, we've got to start off with our first takeaways from this series. And that is at least for me, for the red side of things, I think the pitching is finally starting to come along. We'll talk about Connor Overton here in a few minutes, but Tyler Malley looked really solid in game two. I was a worried in the second inning whenever he seemed to be getting hit a little bit. Framil Reyes, honestly, if he had aimed that fly ball anywhere but where he put it, that's a three-run home run. But it turns into a sack fly there in the deepest part of center field, and Tyler Malley gets out of that inning only giving up one run. I, I think at the end of the day, though, we've seen a lot better starting pitching performances from a side that went something like 31 games without any starter going six innings. So it's encouraging to see that they continue a pretty good streak of uh, starters now going six innings per game. But what did you see when it comes to the Reds pitching and how Guardians hitting kind of reacted to all of it? I got to start off with my own the Fran Mill situation. Uh, to me, like that whole part maybe best represented this talk of the dead ball. If you want to see an example of the, yes, of the ball yeah. being like, it, it's weird too, because like, I don't understand the logic of this idea that maybe there's a dead ball that Major League Baseball is experimenting with because didn't they just spend all of last June going after everyone using a sticky substance because they wanted more offense <laughs> and it's less than a year right. later and now they're putting a ball in there. But that, I mean, it felt like a year ago that would have been out of pretty much any park and now instead sack fly. Like that, that to me just perfectly represented that kind of debate about what's going on there. Uh, you know, I, this Guardians team, so th Offensively, their numbers have been really strong. But one of those things I've kind of talked about just as a host of this show through the years because the Guardians have been collecting contact hitters is the one problem with the contact-heavy approach is 
uh, <clears throat> there's more a degree of luck and a degree of variance that you know when you have a big hitter and you know it, it, there's more chance for hot and cold streaks and right now unfortunately right. for the guardians there are a lot of cold streaks occurring uh up and down this lineup and you know even those guys who were absolutely killing the ball at the beginning of the year like Stephen Kwan is he he's down to 265 now i mean the ops is still close to 750 but uh, he's not the 400 hitter he was for that first week or owen miller uh who had the big home run in the the game on tuesday my days are kind of blended together here with the off day uh but he had, i mean you look at arguably the number 2 hitter is when Andres Jimenez and he had an O for today. So it was, um, or not to wait, make sure I have the right game pulled up. I'm sorry. He had <laughs> no, yeah, that was, but today. no, he was the guy that I was worried about coming into yeah. the series because he's been killing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got both box scores in front of me and I'm like, wait, was that today? Was that the, it's the problem <laughs> when it's like one day baseball off day night, like what the guardians have been playing like an NBA schedule, um, with their, their COVID day, <laughs> Uh, I don't I, I don't think I've gotten an update, so I still think that, you know, they don't have their coaches. And then honestly, the other thing in this whole series, uh, you want to talk about bats is how much they miss Josh Naylor. I mean, he you go back yes. to the White Sox series where he had like three home runs and in nine innings, including that big grand slam. They lost literally the entire coaching staff outside of their um, pitching coach. Apparently, Carl Willis does not get invited to the parties is what we learned because everyone else. And then the only player is was Naylor, who. You know, he's uh, the Guardians are his third team. He has uh, it's taken him a little bit of time to kind of figure it out, but he looked to be and he had that he had one of the most gruesome injuries over the past few years last year in baseball. So they just miss having him in the, the center of the light up um, for as great as him. And as has been the other part of that Lindor trade, uh, uh, Ahmed Rosario was really scuffling and Fran Mill's been up and down. But again, I really feel like. I'm just going to blame the baseball. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm not, but I'm going to blame the baseball for that one. Not going out today. Yeah, no, I, I don't blame you at all. That's something that it, it feels like if you're playing with 2019 baseballs or maybe even 2020 baseballs, that's probably a three run home run. It's definitely a topic that's gone around major league baseball. And there's been lots of different commentary on it from pitchers and from hitters as well. And they're just like, you know, there's no way there is definitely got to be some sort of dead baseball going on. And I, I forget the pitcher who said it, but they were, they were talking about how different it is. And it seems like from ball to ball, you know, whenever the umpire is throwing them out a different one to pitch with, it's a different grip. It's it's harder to grip a curveball, or it's harder to grip a changeup, or it's harder to grip a fastball. You know, just depending on what the ball is, and so that makes it for a very variable environment. But you talk about hitting, and we haven't yet met mentioned the Frank Robinson Memorial MVP of the Ohio Cup, Tyler Naquin. Tyler Naquin just loves facing. The Guardians. I'm sorry, Jeff. It, he, he it does. Just, I don't know. Like, I think it's because they cut him. I, I don't know what they it is, but he's know the book on. He's him. all about it. Like, I don't understand how we don't right. like. <laughs> I mean, I I remember when they drafted him out of you know uh, A and M, I believe, uh, and you know it was it was the second year of the pool system, and they saved a bunch of money and then signed a bunch of guys, and none of them even made it to Double A. Uh, but the you know I so anyone who's a Guardians fan knows like I've been talking about this for years and years because it's just a comically bad stat. But since they've drafted Manny Ramirez, the top five drafted outfielders by WAR for the Cleveland Indians in the you know what nearly thirty years it was like nineteen ninety one. So yeah, thirty years. Uh, Luke Scott, 
who mostly played with Baltimore's number one, Ryan Church, who was with the Expos too. Tyler Naquin is now three. Um, if you count <laughs> Joe Inglet, who was a outfielder, and I can't remember at what college, he would be four. And Stephen Kwan is almost five. If not, it's Bradley Zimmer. Like that is that is help. And they wow. and if you to make this even like this fun point for Reds fans, like you can really mock Guardians fans. Starting with Naquin, they drafted in the first round Naquin, Clint Frazier. Then it was the Zimmer, Mike Pappy draft. Like they drafted a whole bunch of outfielders. The year they didn't have a first rounder, they took Quinton Holmes in the second round with their like they literally drafted with their highest picks outfielders in like four straight drafts. And um, none of them, I mean, Naquin is far and away the best. And if you add up the war from the rest of them, it doesn't even get there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because like we've known for a while, like he can't hit the high fastball, right? That's the book. Like he's better at hitting the off speed stuff, throw it high. But uh, you know, he's, he's a streak hitter, but he's, he does a lot of things well. And for a team that uh, has constantly need outfielders, it does seem that cutting him was a bit short sighted. It's interesting to know because the Reds have definitely benefited from him. That's He's a guy that I, I constantly want to see if he can hit left-handed pitching better because he hasn't. Yeah. His entire career, he just doesn't hit left-handed pitching. So you kind of know what he is. He's a platoon outfielder. But he has been so valuable for this team, especially a team that decided to get rid of Aaron Alec, Nick Castellanos' walk, trade away Jesse Winker, and all of this other stuff. So... Yes, Tyler Naquin was kind of going to be counted on to do a lot more. So it's not necessarily a surprise that he's been playing very well for the Reds. It's kind of surprising that he just continues to just mash Guardian pitching. I'll tell you what also surprised us, and and that was the Cleveland bullpen, kind of like you said. And then I, I from a Reds perspective, it's Connor Overton. And we're going to explain that a little bit more. But, but Jeff, speaking of surprising, there's been a couple of built Bars here recently that surprised me. Number one's that birthday cake puff. What's but the most surprising uh, flavor for you? The birthday cake, uh, birthday cake puff is surprising when you open the package. I always say, you know, it, they're delicious. But just be careful because somehow the, it, all these puff, all these bars, it's marshmallow wrapped in chocolate with sprinkles on top, yet it still is an A in my health food app, which is surprising just in and of itself. <laughs> when you open the package, you get some sprinkles. You got to be careful. I've, I've been telling my uh, my listeners, I jumped in and tried the granola. And when they come back, I'm going to order like three boxes. I loved it. I have been eating exclusively the granola. I still have some of the chirps, which were essentially like mini peeps. I still have some of the churro puffs. I haven't even touched the birthday cake. I've had it before, so I know what I'm talking about there. Because I just love the granola flavor. They were great. I got the coconut and the peanut butter mix box. And uh, Bill Bar does coconut so amazingly well. And I'm a coconut fan. Like, you, nothing they do coconut fails. Like, they just do. It was the winner of the Sweet 64. was the, one of the coconut flavors. I believe the brownie batter. So, I, I mean, I think if you like coconut, can't go wrong with coconut and Bill Bar. And remember, what I tell, like, I have friends who aren't baseball people, so they don't necessarily listen to the podcast, but I let them know Locked 15 will save them 15% because you don't find a better deal anywhere. All of them, uh, they're using codes for 10% or less. So remember Locked 15 to save 15%. And I mean, it's the best tasting protein bar. I've tried them all. Uh, as a teacher, I need that quick snack and it tastes great. And again, my health food app gives it an A, so I can't recommend it enough. I buy it. It's something I use my own money on. So remember builtbar.com and that promo code lock 15. 
Yeah, Built Bar has been phenomenal. It's absolutely changed my snack game, and it's super, super healthy for you. After you're done, thank, thank you, by, by the way, for making Locked On Guardians and Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. Make your second listen after we're done talking here. Locked On Now. Locked On Now takes you through the MLB season like no other podcast. In under 30 minutes, they have analysis from all the games that happened last night, including expert analysis from our local Locked On host. That's Locked On Now, just like Locked On Reds and Locked On Guardians, free and available on all platforms. All right, let's talk about some surprises because I'm with you. Coming into this season, the series, whenever I saw these two games in Cleveland, I said the Reds are going to have to score on Plessic and Quantrill because when they get into the bullpen, it's probably going to get dicey. It, it, it kind of flipped on its head a little bit there, Jeff. Yeah, it's um, okay. So Trevor Steffen had been utterly amazing. And I've been doing victory laps uh, about Trevor Steffen because I gave him a first round grade out of Arkansas. Uh, the Guardians mm-hmm. that year, the Quinton Holmes draft I mentioned, they took Quinton Holmes and Tyler Freeman. And then Steffen went to the third round to the, the to the Yankees. And one of those other things I talked about on the show is the Guardians, have they've lost a lot of great talent in the Rule 5. They've never had the highest war any Rule 5 pick has ever produced for them for a career is, is two. So like he is already the best rule five pick in team history. And he was just utterly obliterating, obliterating every team he had added. I believe it was, I'm going to get confused what, who added what, but I believe he had added the, uh, the split finger this year and he was making everyone look silly. And then the reds just made him look silly over these two games. Then you got Emmanuel Classe, who they gave that extension to. There's been some consternation with him. He's had a few blown opportunities, but he gave up a run. Uh, in this series as well, and an important opportunity. Uh, Nick Sandlin, listen, it's a roller coaster ride. If you listen to my live show of that game where I was live broadcasting extra innings, he was supposed to be the eighth inning guy for the Guardians this year, but his control hasn't been there, and there's been some health throughout his career. But I think the other issue is, like, honestly, it's like their third best reliever is Sam Henches, and for whatever reason, we didn't even see him. I don't know why I, he's been effective against lefties and righties. It's not like he's just kind of a loogie. Uh, so overall, it's like the bullpen had been really, really good. And instead, it was really, really bad at points. It cost them this series. And uh, it's kind of surprising who we didn't see. Uh, and I, you know, I know who your person's going to be. And I'll also say that, uh, like, I mean, I was telling people, I'm like, okay, at some point, this guy's going to turn into a pumpkin. Like, I don't know how this is going to work. This should be an easy matchup. I'm not going to steal your thunder any more than that, but uh, (laughs) you know, I, I, I just want to talk. I mean, maybe it was just the baseball gods being unhappy with me, but it was a hundred percent. I called out the strength of the bullpen. And then I called out what I thought was a very weak pitching matchup. And I just was wrong on everything. Yeah, you're talking about Connor Overton. This guy has been a revelation. And not as such that, like, you know, we're going to build a statue at Great American Ballpark, although I think I've heard a couple of people talking about that. Might be getting there. But he has, yeah, (laughs) he's really provided some quality innings to a pitching staff and a team as a whole that's really been decimated by whether you're talking about injuries or guys being placed on the indeterminate IL because of COVID or things like that. It's like... Connor Overton coming in here and doing what he has done. He is one of the top five reds, depending on where you look. If you look at a fan graphs, I think he still is, but based on war right now 
And I mean, I know that's not saying a lot for a team that only has 11 wins, but that's saying a lot for a dude that's only pitched five games. He has been phenomenal in the five games that he has pitched. And sure, I've talked about this before on the podcast. The peripherals aren't great, and and they're kind of pretending doom and gloom coming up here soon for Connor Overton because he just doesn't miss bats. But at the end of the day, he's getting outs. He's not giving up runs. I mean, he gives up a run here or there, but he has just provided such quality innings and it continued against guys like Jose Ramirez, who just absolutely eats Reds pitching for breakfast. I thought that, you know, Connor Overton was going to be serving it up to him on a silver platter, but he kept everything in the yard. That's the one thing too, Jeff, by the way, when I look at Connor Overton, the stat that just gets me, he hasn't allowed a home run yet. He has a 0% fly ball to home run ratio, obviously unsustainable, but I I just, the way that he pitched in this series has been indicative of what he's done all year. And you just kind of have to tip your cap to it, despite the numbers kind of saying, but is he good? Yeah. It's, you know, as you're talking, of course I had to go pull up the savant data. I'm like, well, maybe it's just one of those guys. It's a little hard hit. It's like, I think the one thing that's working in his favor, looking at this data, it's just, there must be enough deception there because it's, you know, the spin data isn't great, but he, the the one thing that's in the red is that barrel percentage for whatever reason, guys aren't seeing it. They just aren't. They're not getting a good barrel to the ball when they do they're you know, the, the exit velocities actually uh, are, are good, but there's something deceiving there. And I don't know what it is, but clearly through these five starts, there's something that hitters aren't picking up. And like I said, you go through and almost everything is blue for him except for that barrel percentage, and guys just cannot make quality contact. And you don't know how long it's going to last or smoke and mirrors of it all. I mean, he was facing, or he wasn't facing. Again, I'm getting things confused. The Guardian side was uh, Cal Quantrell, who, you know, something similar a year ago when he was basically unhittable for a half. So you never know what's going to go there. And, you, you know, if nothing else, if the Reds discover a serviceable fifth starter out of this, then this is a huge net win for that organization. Huge, especially for the fact that they've already demoted Vladimir Gutierrez. They've, they've kind of admitted that, yes, he's good for, you know, one to two innings, probably three innings at most, but then he's not, he's, he's really fallen off. And we've seen that a lot this season and Rivar San Martin, he started off the year in the rotation. He's been since demoted. So with all of the just constant turnover and things like that, it's nice to see a stable presence, if nothing else, like you mentioned, at the back end of that starting rotation. Coming up here, I want to talk about where the Reds and the Guardians are going. Obviously, one team is going to be a lot closer to the playoffs, and it's not the team in Cincinnati. We'll talk about that right after I tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for sports info and news when you're talking about the best place to get your next sports wager. Speaking of which, I was looking at the lines tomorrow, and the Reds obviously are underdogs on the road in Toronto. But did you know this, Jeff? The Indians, or the Guardians. Gosh, I almost went a whole podcast without saying that. Okay, the Guardians are home underdogs to Tariq Skubal and the Detroit Tigers tomorrow night. I, I find that they, interesting. They should be. I do. I'll say that. Skubal, he has been good. He's been excellent, and Savale has been awful. I was telling listeners yesterday, I'm like, look at the lines. If Cleveland is favored tomorrow, that's a really strong bet for Detroit, and Sunday's game is the opposite. 
where if it's a close line, Cleveland has a super favorite favorable matchup. So whenever I can see those, I'm always like, okay, I may not know as much sometimes about the in and outs, but I know matchups. So it's always good when you can get and that matchup. And there you go. And there's more like that at betonline.net. You can find all the great information, whether you're talking about the Major League Baseball season, the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, UFC, boxing, and more. It's all on BetOnline. Use your mobile device or go to their website today and check out all the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks again for making us your first listen here on Lockdown Reds and Lockdown Guardians, our crossover as we wrap up the Ohio Cup. Once again, it's it's over very early. I mean, there's still lots and lots of baseball to be played, so there's still lots that, honestly, we don't know about either side. But I'll tell you this, there's definitely one team that is closer to the playoffs, and that team didn't quite get what they were hoping out of these two games in their home ballpark, but the Indians look like they could still contend in this AL central that looks to be very interesting moving forward. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mess. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, I, I, as I sit here and I watch the games and I follow, uh, I've always talked about like, you know, I have a lot of connections to a lot of other teams just through my years at scout and 24 seven, uh, with those individual blogs and sites and, uh, and just the White Sox were a kind organization to me back when I was a writer. So I always say that I'm like, they're not someone I dislike. I'm like, that's the one where like, I would actually hear from people in that organization. So, uh, you know, I always appreciate them. So, you know, I'm a little more connected with some of the teams and it's just been, I mean, I thought the Tigers had one of the best off seasons of baseball. Uh, Again, I, maybe I shouldn't be on the show. I love to point out when I'm right. I also love to point out when I'm wrong, just to be fair about it. But I, I mean, I was not in the minority with that opinion. Most of us felt that way. And it's been crazy how much offensive regression they've had uh that's probably the guardian's biggest advantage right now is the fact that you know i i thought they were being slept on a little bit just due to the fact that you know this is a team that was 500 last year and their entire pitching staff got hurt for months and months and the young of talent was just starting to hit we're still hoping to see nolan jones get healthy and get an opportunity up there but you know ty freeman's already on the 40 man as is jones there's, you know, it's a 40 man where they added 12 young players to it at the end of last year because they were worried about the rule five. And there's another huge wave coming at the end of this season. They got to figure some things out. But that young talent, uh, we're finally getting to see them try. And it's going to be fun to see. And, I, you know, going forward with this team, I think they're probably still about a 500 team. I don't know if playoffs are quite this year, but what's setting up for, uh, is next year like this is kind of year one of the next step now that jose is locked up now that miles straw is locked up now that emmanuel Clase is locked up uh, they don't have a lot of players that they're going to start shedding uh, was it uh you know ahmed rosario is two you know he's on the same timeline as jose before the extension but right now he's not uh really doing anything shane beavers the guy who Ooh. could be traded this offseason but again it depends on nobody knows what's going on like, let's let's be perfectly honest. It's like his injury was extended last year. And then since then he has been, you know, his velocity is like below his college days. So we'll have to wait and see, but it, with the waves of talent, they're going to hopefully be able to find more players find. I, I love that. We're not just running out the retreads anymore that they, hopefully at some point we might see some kind of compiling because they, you know, it's the same situation we've seen with the Padres and the Rays over the years where you have to start trading four or five prospects for 
maybe one good player just because otherwise you're going to start losing them. But it's it's a fun team. Like at the end of the day, yeah, this is a team that's under 500, but like that fan base has never been as energized as it is now. And it's, uh, you know, the the crazy thing is it's the starting pitching that's really the biggest disaster in Cleveland after all of these years of like and them being like so pitching focused. Uh, I think there is not a fan in Cleveland who if they disagreed and said the biggest weakness on the team was catcher. I mean, I would see I could understand that. And the number of the number of Guardians fans who approach me with like bad fake Tyler Stevenson trades is is very high. <laughs> Right, I have to explain. <laughs> Catchers are hard to find. He is a long way from free agency. The Reds have no interest, like very nicely. But uh, I, I have to probably do that about four times a week over on uh, Lockdown Guardians. But still, it's you know I get that catching is is bad, but like starting pitching is is their biggest disaster. And I you know I you could probably see my co-host his tail was popping up through uh, <laughs> a few segments. Nacho the cat. He's now getting people are commenting about when Nacho appears on the YouTube. So he's become a bigger celebrity than me. But, uh, you know, I I had like a joke debate with him about which pitching staff was better. And he chose the Reds. And apparently the cat knows more than me because that's 100 percent the case. (laughs) Like he picked the Reds in this. Like I was saying the Guardians, I thought, had the pitching advantage because uh, I was not sold on Overton. And he like started meowing very loudly. I'm like, wait, you you don't think this is the case? And he just kept (laughs) meowing loud. And he was right. And I was wrong. So, you know, that's contentious trying to talk yeah over that's you, the, that's the content you get on lockdown <laughs> guardians as uh as i debate the cat but like i said uh, the it continues because people enjoy it so we we bring it you know even when it's not going well we're finding a way to make it entertaining and fun but yeah it's a uh it's an interesting time to be a guardians fan but a fun time in general that's something that i noticed whenever you know they were going over starting lineups and starting you know pitching staffs and all this other stuff that i'm like you know there's a lot of young talent on this Indians team that seems like they're very the Guardians team that they're very close and um it's it's very exciting to watch them play. I, I love Owen Miller. There's something about Owen Miller that the fact that he can crush it baseball, you know, into Lake Erie or he can beat out a single into a double because he's just that fast. It's it's really fun to watch him play. And when I kind of look on the red side of things, I think there's a lot of fun young talent here. And it's funny because you mentioned energized fan base. Uh, the Reds ownership did as best as they could to de-energize Reds fan base. But honestly, if we focus on who's on the field, if we focus on the players that were watching play the game and we don't pay attention to the folks up in the offices and you know all of their you know suits and all that other stuff – there's a lot to like about what the Reds have. Now, they're not close. They're not close to the playoffs this year. I don't even really know if next year they can be counted on as a contender, but 2024 is kind of what I've got earmarked that I think that for a couple of reasons, they've got talent that's developing right now in the major leagues. They've got talent that is close in the minor leagues that can be really impactful, and they don't have anybody, any guaranteed contracts on the books for 2024. There's a lot that can come together in that season. So what is setting up right now? What do we see right now from the team? We're seeing, yes, inconsistent pitching, but it can be real good at times. And if Derek Johnson can really focus these guys, because we saw Tony Santion bounce back in a big way here in game two uh, on, on Thursday afternoon, because he had been struggling coming into that game. And yes, Alexis Diaz, one of my new favorite Reds, did give up a run, but he has been phenomenal all year long. The Reds made this bet on their bullpen 
with younger talent that wasn't necessarily proven that I was so much more excited about this year than I was excited about the, well, we went out to the waiver wire and found every single retread and throw away that every other team got rid of. And we brought them in and and they're going to be good because that's just not going to happen. Like that, if that happened, then nobody would cut them like that. They were there for a reason. So I love that they made a bet on these young guys and knowing that they are young and knowing that they're inexperienced. Yes, there's going to be some bumps in the road, but you're going to have days like this where they're able to kind of buckle down. I hated the fact that, you know, the bullpen ended up blowing it there in game one, but the lineup bounced back in a big way. I, w- I was happy to see that they took their walks. They were patient. I've seen the ability of this lineup to just be a pest to opposing pitchers and, and taking long at bats, taking a lot more pitches than the, probably other teams would. And I'm very happy to see that that's how they responded. And that's with all of these guys who are playing right now that weren't going to, that should not have been counted upon to play this much. There's just so many guys that are on the injured list. So many guys that are off the regular roster that Brandon drew is not supposed to get this much playing time in. And he has flourished in the playing time that he's gotten. So yes, this team is not going to be very good this year. I still continue to say that they're going to win 74 games, but 74 wins don't get you anywhere near that extra wild card spot but there's still going to be some fun stuff to watch because they're developing, they're growing, and they're going to be better in a couple of years. It's uh, two teams that have never had the first pick in the MLB draft. Neither team in Ohio has ever had that first overall pick. I was just curious. They looked at Tankathon. For as much as people, and myself included, make fun of the Reds, I mean, uh, they only have a one-game hold on that uh, last-place spot. The Nationals are just a game back. Now the Tigers just a game and a half. So... Uh, for as much as we tease, again, you guys are really beat up as a unit, as you talked about as well. And it's kind of amazing that you're not worse. I know that's maybe not what Reds fans expect mm-hmm. to hear or even maybe necessarily want to hear, which I get. But like, I don't I think your your record should be worse than where it is just based on like the loss of talent and the health. So I think in some regards, it speaks to what's being done on the field by players and coaches. If there's if there's an upside to it, it's that it's that there's some positive signs of growth going forward, I think. And I 100% am looking forward to seeing how the guardians compete in this division, because I don't think the twins are going to stay this good. I think that the white Sox are probably going to get back up on top, but I also think that, you know, the tigers and the Royals are going to, this is going to be a very interesting division for the next couple of years. And the guardians are going to be right there in the conversation. Well, Jeff, I appreciate you getting the chance to wrap up this series with me. The Ohio cup it's done 2022 and nobody won because they both won two games apiece. and whoop de doo Tyler Naquin got the MVP award for helping tie the series. So where's the ghost rider in this tie? Right. Have- <laughs> yes. I think he, I think he's second okay. in the MVP voting was the ghost. Runner. But yeah. uh, it, we can't have ties in baseball. So there must be like a, a ghost runner for the, is it going to be like a foot race? Decides who gets to <laughs> yes. hold on to the cup. And what's the final, I think you and I might have to come up with our own system because it seems like no one else is going to. So we might have to figure out what the official tiebreaker is going to be somehow. 
I would say Owen, uh, a foot race between Owen Miller and I'm trying to think of a red who would challenge him. Maybe TJ Friedel, but I still think Owen Miller I, would win. I kind of want to go the other way. Like, who are the slowest guys? Let's do the foot race between the two <laughs> slowest. Well, it's Moose. It's Moose and <laughs> maybe Fran Reyes, Reyes, maybe? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'm all I in on that. That's, I'm that's what I'm pushing that. for. That's, let's go for the slowest, uh, <laughs> slowest possible foot race. 60 yard dash, like uh, NFL draft style and just see what we get <laughs> i love it i i would I, I think i might pay money to see that anyway that's that is definitely a great place to end today's podcast thank you so much for making locked on guardians and locked on reds your first lesson now go check out locked on mlb because sully's got you covered when it comes to past and present all things baseball he's got a unique perspective and he imparts that every single day to you locked on mlb is just like locked on guardians and locked on reds it's free and available wherever you get your podcast coming up on Monday. There's an interesting series going on between the guardians and the tigers. There's an interesting, uh, Joey Votto's coming back and he decided to come back when the reds go to Toronto. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff to talk about. You're not going to miss it. Check out lockdown reds and lockdown guardians coming up on Monday. <laughs>